0: Well, we are back for episode four of That's What She Said, The Office Podcast. I'm Lucy Bird, and I'm here with Chris Curtis.
1: Hi, Lucy. How are you?
0: I am wonderful. How are you?
1: Doing wonderful. Just got home from a epic weekend at or epic night. At
0: it Twin is River. Friday. It is Friday.
1: <laughs> it is the weekend. It felt like the weekend with with Mutt last night. Holy cow. I have seen him hammered before, but I don't think I've seen a sustained buzz like I saw in Mutt last night. It was... A six-hour fiesta from Mike McNansky. What was he drinking? It's like a 12-ounce cup, and it's filled to the top with, like, Makers or whatever. Makers 46, but I didn't know that at the time. And so I'm drinking it, and he's really he's right next to me because we're sort of crammed waiting in line to go place bets. Mm-hmm. And I'm about to have a sip of mine, and it reeks of booze. Oh, no. And I'm like, he's not, like, that big of an asshole. Much like, the nicest human, guy, human being on the face of the earth. Like, he's not giving me a spiked drink. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, are you sure this isn't alcoholic and he's like no what why and then he's because he as he's saying that his drink is like right here and i'm like oh it's your drink i'm like oh it's fine so i start drinking mine and then he like takes a deep breath and looks at me he's like Am I drinking too close to you, bro? I, it's not a big deal. Like I can move. I'm like no mud. It's not the did Bronx,
0: he call it. you bro, or did you just add that in there? He
1: may. I don't know. He's like bud or bro. It was a b. Because
0: that would be something.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Home slice. Um,
0: what did he say? This dessert is banging. <laughs> and then,
1: so we get to dinner, and then throughout dinner, he's having a. You know, he's just quietly having his drink. He's. You can't hate mud. He's the nicest guy in the world, and so we we wrap up dinner, and they bring out these huge dessert trays, and I I was so full, I had the greatest meal at Fred and steve's and i'm like i'm cooked i i almost finished like a 24 ounce prime rib and i'm sitting there and they bring out dessert i'm like i'm just i'm cooked and so i'm like i'm gonna pass and he would not take no for an answer he's like what are you doing this is awesome like and i'm like Mutt, i i just am not hungry I, i'm not usually a huge dessert guy anyway and i'm really stuffed so i appreciate it and meanwhile it's making me look like an asshole because like the people, Steve DiOssi's there, who's, it's his restaurant, and the general manager of Twin Rivers there. Like, I'm not trying to make a big spectacle of the fact and that And Mutt I'm is like,
0: causing a scene about it.
1: Right. And so Mutt's causing a scene about it, and he's like, this dessert, Curtis, is banging. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Like, okay, now I'll eat it. Like, you got me now. It's banging.
0: And all you do is stand up during dinner. Right. According so to Mutt.
1: I had, Gilroy's flight can- got canceled. So I had to fill spots or try and fill um, 8 to Midnight with hosts. And so I'm on my phone and I think it's rude to be on your phone at the dinner table if you're texting or whatever. So I like, especially a phone call and we we're in this nice private dining area. So I would like go out and I wouldn't like leave. I would like walk out the door and talk. So, and this happened maybe twice. And then at, later on in the evening, I went up to take a pee and he's like, all you're doing is getting you up at dinner, Curtis. Again, all, make, you all you do is stand up. I'm making a spectacle. Me, all you do is stand up. Like, okay, that doesn't even make you sense. You moron. And secondly, you're again pointing out something that is like a party foul. Like, just let me be. I'm not. I, I'm letting you eat, drink, do whatever you want. I, you can have. I, I hope you're having a great evening. But I do anything, and he's like trying to make a spectacle of it. And then we get to the bar after dinner because we need to go back to the bar. What time and was this? This was at w- right at the end of the Bruins game, so like 10 o'clock. So we sat down at 7. Oh, my God. The Bruins game, I think, started at 7.30. Okay. So it's either 9.45, 10 o'clock, something like that. And Ken and, and Mutt go to the bar, and Ken's, you know, got they both have the uh, capitals. And Mutt's like, you're such an idiot. You didn't listen to Ken. He's your brother. You love him. Why don't you listen to him? Again, Making me feel, like, awkward and uncomfortable. I'm like... It has nothing to do with Ken Mutt. I was just betting against what you were betting. And he's, like, screaming at me. And then the Capitals scored an empty net goal. And there's, like, six or seven people around the bar obviously rooting for the Bruins. And he's, like, yeah, like, rooting against the Bruins. (laughs) So great. like, this isn't a sports book. This is a nice restaurant bar. People aren't, like, rooting against other teams here from Boston. But whatever.
0: That was, like, us in bubble hockey It at Kings. Empty net goals, all the way. That
1: was a pathetic performance by me. (laughs) Un- unbelievable performance by Ken. Well, Ken,
0: I so we think that Ken hustled us. He goes there all the time, plays this bubble hockey game. So we're just standing there, and he sees this from across the room, and he's like, "Hey guys, are you any good at bubble hockey?" The <laughs> one game in the whole place he mentions is the one he's great at.
1: Absolutely. And he
0: beat me. I think seven nothing, and you seven nothing, and it it was it was a massacre.
1: And then the two elements of that one. There was at least 15 to 20 arcade games in at King's, yes. and he just zeroes in on this one randomly, and nice. then he kicks both of our asses, and then we play. Well,
0: we had to see that it wasn't rigged.
1: Right. So we play, and we weren't exactly great, but you were better mm-hmm. than me, unfortunately, and he's like watching out of the corner of his eye, just like smirking at us, like, oh my God, you guys are pathetic, like embarrassed that he even knows us, that we are so bad. And then a the guy from sales comes down. He's like, you never played bubble hockey, USSR, Curtis? I'm like, no, I haven't. Like, I don't know. I grew up in Dover. We had video games. I, I had
0: know. never. I played foosball. But this is in the family, but not the same.
1: I, I had a foosball table. Uh, yeah. I wasn't very good at that either but this was I was so I couldn't even figure out like how to shoot the puck when I had it like even, even right. to get it in the position I, I was so it
0: out. rattled just by Ken's performance because of how how is this possible but you and I playing
1: Ken and I'm yelling at Lucy's it. yelling at me like control the goalie with
0: the, the key left. is to keep your <laughs> left hand on the goalie and then I figured out that's not true <laughs>
1: You're like, left hand. I was like, I don't know what's going on. It was just
0: too, I, I just wanted you to be Ken so badly.
1: That, that was the, the real USSR hockey team from 1980 could have showed up and Ken would have stolen.
0: Oh, exactly. It was a nightmare. And they're taking pictures of the score, oh tweeting God. them out.
1: And then we wanted to come in the next day, have some fun mm-hmm. with this, and talk about the Christmas party and you know what we saw. You know, It, was, it wasn't the craziest night, but it was a fun time. I mm-hmm. had a good time. And... Mutt's teasing it a couple times, and every time we get into it, Jerry's like, yeah, but Josh McDaniels and the black coaches. It's like we had no, he had no desire to get into That's it. That's
0: because Jerry wasn't there.
1: Right. And he should have been there.
0: He was invited during the party. He was invited. By his boss. By his boss. Didn't go. He lives like a mile away now. It's incredible. This, I don't, I don't understand.
1: He's the biggest figure in Boston radio. Obviously mm-hmm. the biggest figure at WEEI. Second to Lauro. Mm-hmm. And exactly. he didn't come.
0: He could have played bubble hockey.
1: He been? would have had, he would have he would have gotten such a kick out of seeing Ken dominate bubble hockey. Oh, definitely. And I, I bet you Jerry's a closet bubble hockey guy. That seems like Probably. a Chelsea type thing.
0: Yes. And maybe Mutt. If Mutt had
1: shown up. Oh my god. Well Mutt would have been you would've had to scream at him more than about his <laughs> left hand. He would have had his right hand on the doers. He would have been trying to play.
0: That would have been interesting. But his back would have looked great.
1: His back looked phenomenal. I'll tell you that last night at dinner. He was slouched over, <laughs> drinking his booze. <laughs>
0: Just he, That's why he slouches, so you right. can see more well, of he's his got back. A big back. Yeah, exactly. He's got a very nice back. Um, so we are going episode by episode yes. in the, the office portion of this podcast. Correct. Um, and we are on Diversity Day. What an episode. The second episode of the series. And some have said that this defined the series as a separate office from the British office. Right. And it seems like it did, because it was different from anything that the British office did even though it was the second episode but the first episode was very much in the formula of the british
1: version sort of formulaic and as you said when we reviewed the first episode you were kind of on the fence as if this were an episode that you just saw without knowing the following however many hundred plus episodes of the office you don't know if you would have been like i need to check out next week so you would have been on the fence about that Mm -hmm. this is an episode where you watch it just today if it was the first time you saw any of these characters It'd be impossible not to say, I need to see what else is coming up on this.
0: Definitely. I would be 100% in on this. I would be like, this is my show now. I am watching this. This is fantastic. But I wonder if this would even air today.
1: No chance. Right. And it's it's amazing because the, well, you can go sort of go chronologically if you want, but the, mm-hmm. the way the episode is originated, the reason for the episode, or the reason for Diversity Day is because Michael Scott impersonates Chris Rock and this very racist uh, stand up routine that he had. And so they have this Mr. Brown show Mm up uh, for corporate, which I've never heard of, for sensitivity training. Right. Uh uh, What is that? (laughs) And he teaches the uh, entire office about diversity because Michael Scott needs to have this lesson and they didn't want to embarrass him. So this idea of having Michael Scott be taught as a group these rules and lessons about how to treat others – backfires on Dunder Mifflin's face big time.
0: Exactly. And we don't see the Chris Rock um, stand-up routine that he does. We only find out that this is the reason for it as the episode goes on. Correct. So we find out the reasoning for this as it goes on, and Michael doesn't even know he's really the reason for this. Right. He doesn't really understand, and he tries to take control of everything. Yes. When he's the reason for this, and he's trying to teach them about diversity, and he says it's so important and everything, but he's the reason so for this quest- happening. Yes. I
1: have a question. So the episode begins mm-hmm. and Mr. Brown is in the um, the conference room and Michael is kind of like on edge because he's waiting to see um, the diversity day teacher exit the conference room so that he can walk up and talk to Oscar. So my question is, is there any reason that Michael, so was he just on edge because he didn't like other people coming in from corporate or was there any element that you think that maybe he knew that he, there were, this could be about him? That he was like on, he, he knew we fucked up, or that this guy was there and it couldn't be good news for him because he's already trying to impress this guy from corporate right from the start. Because he goes up and he says hi, Oscar. Right as he's at, you know picks a guy who's a minority in the office, gets engages in small talk and allows this gentleman to overhear him say, you know, I don't even know his last name. I just go on a first name basis. We have one of everyone here. ha ah, you know, <laughs> totally tries to play it cool. So that's what made me think that there might be an aspect where. Michael knew he did something wrong and this may have something to do with it.
0: I think you're right. I think because he knew yes, if he knew he did something wrong and he's trying to smooth that <clears throat> smooth that over kind of saying like, oh, I'm a great guy. And I, you know, Oscar is Mexican and he's different and not different, but he's like, you know, he's diverse in their eyes. Right. And he wants to show I talk to everybody. I treat everybody equally. And there is an element of I control this office and I, ha- I wanted to lead this meeting with you kind right. of thing.
1: And so because you have to view this as the second episode and not knowing everything else, it's a huge lesson in his Michael's insecurity and how he views the office as his domain, that anybody else entering it is a threat. And the importance of Dwight as his sort of assistant to the regional manager is sort of understood because the whole way in which things are run, if anybody has an idea, it has to go, by, go through Michael. When this conference begins and they discuss diversity, Michael's standing next to him, trying to lead, has no clue where it's going, and eventually he's told to sit down, but there is no way that Michael is going to relinquish any power in the office without a massive fight
0: not at all and based on the first episode, we've only seen Michael Scott once before this. This is exactly how you would expect him to handle something like this. We've already seen that he is insecure that he's you know he wants to crack jokes he's obnoxious, um and then he wants to run this meeting. And you're like exactly this I know exactly who this guy is, and this is he's playing the part perfectly, and then there's that part where he Dwight wants to say something, and Michael says, why don't you run it by me, and I'll run it by him?
1: (laughs) And Dwight says, sure, and he goes (laughs) through him. And and then he goes, goes, they start, he keeps interrupting, and uh, Mr. Brown says, Mm -hmm. you know. But I'm not going to call you that. I'm not going to call you (laughs) that. (laughs) Test. Good one. He's like, it's not a test. That's my last name. And it's just so awkward. Everything about it is just so incredibly awkward. But one of the highlights of the episode is early on when Kevin performs the Chris Rock routine. And he's so monotone and he's still, you know, he's just trying to do it in a way where he's just getting across the the message of it without being offensive. And Michael just won't let it happen. He's butchering it. Butchers it and gets up and finishes... <laughs> One of the lines of the stand-up that got him in trouble in the first place. Again, with the guy in there to reprimand him for doing it in the first place. And Michael
0: does it more of in the way Chris Rock would do it. Right. And then Kevin just like, every time one group wants to do something, the other one. And Michael like goes just goes for it. <laughs> and it's the way he probably did it in the office, too. Right. And this is, so this Chris Rock routine, Chris Rock had to retire it because it was so offensive. And this is the one Michael does. Now, right. I don't know if it was, I don't even know how offensive it was, but I don't know what the real story with that is but um but yeah so michael chooses that one to do in the office that shows how far michael will go to be an entertainer right how he says he was a a boss first friend second and entertainer third or something
1: (laughs) well and it's also how much he craves attention yes so this is obviously going to be if you're going to pick anything from chris rock this would be one of the things you would pick and he knows that once he starts it everybody's ears are going to be on him he's going to have the full attention of the room and that's what happens again and so When this, you know, so this all happens with the gentleman and they go through the the test and he signs the paperwork Daffy Duck, which I loved because there's never a follow up to it. So I don't know what the hell they did at corporate. They probably just put it away and acted like he signed it. Right. And
0: why didn't he, why didn't Mr. Brown look at this before he left? He was just, he wanted to get out of there. Right.
1: But still. But it's amazing. Lucky. We're only two episodes in. He already Daffy was Daffy. caught by Todd Packer calling his boss, Jan, <laughs> yeah. all these names. And then this guy from corporate shows up to reprimand him for diversity training for the lack of understanding of other uh, cultures. Mm-hmm. And he butchers the diversity training, re- re- reiterates what he initially said that got him in the trouble in the first place, and he signs the paperwork with a Daffy Duck name.
0: And he's laughing and he said he's going to lose it when he sees that. <laughs>
1: So he's already pretty bulletproof and you yes. don't even know why because nobody respects him. But it turns out he does mention a couple of times that he saved the company money and he's a pretty decent boss. So right. I guess that you know, makes your job pretty safe.
0: Right. And so here in this episode, we have two sets of diversity trainings. We have number one with Mr. Brown and then Diversity Day take two, which are the banner that Michael made on that like paper that like I don't know what kind of paper it is, but it's that paper they have in offices. And it says, diversity day, dot, 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 take two, (laughs) showing that Michael is taking ownership of this diversity day. This one is his, where he says, we're going to do it right, we're going to do it ourselves, and that goes back to him wanting this office to be a family. He says, I don't want anyone else coming in here and teaching us how to act. Values. Yes, exactly. So so if
1: it's your family, you want to instill the values that you think are important, and this is his family, so he's not going to allow some other guy to show up and dictate how people perceive things at his office or home whichever he refers it to but the the the, the moment when he does the video this is the start you know he airs this horribly horrible quality video about diversity and what it means (laughs) and it's just so bad
0: showing that he's the founder of diversity tomorrow (laughs) because the company that came in to do diversity day is called diversity today so his tagline is diversity tomorrow because today is almost over (laughs) it's just and he said he only had an hour to put this together, but he had the best line. Abraham Lincoln once said, if you're a racist, I will attack you with the North. <laughs> These are the values that I carry with me every day. <laughs> what values is that?
1: <laughs> so good.
0: Who wrote that? I want to know if who wrote that. B.J. Novak, Mindy uh, K. Ka- uh, who wrote that? That's fantastic. That has to be a B.J. Novak. Yeah. That
1: seems like something he would say, but that was just- It was remarkable. Awesome writing. And the- Sticking with the Michael aspect when they – so this is – we'll get to the point here where this would never air today. Oh, yeah. Part of Michael's training is to write different races on index cards and then have people place them on their forehead without knowing. Mm-hmm. And they speak to other people in the group to find out who they are representing. And so Pam is Jewish. Jew-
0: so, yeah, the race is Jewish. Brazil. Um, like, black.
1: <laughs> Michael's Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> Stanley's Black. black.
0: <laughs> Meredith is Brazil.
1: Uh, Angela's Jamaican. Oscar's Eskimo. <laughs> Kevin's Italian.
0: It's <laughs> so Pam yeah, Pam's Jewish, yeah. It's <laughs> so Dwight is Asian. Did you say that? Dwight isn't okay, no, yeah.
1: Dwight is Asian. And so you have this awkward moment where Michael is egging on Pam to ask the tough questions to Dwight, who has Asian on his forehead. And Pam's like, People like your food <laughs> and Dwight goes, Oh, outback. I'm Australian, mate. <laughs> Of
0: all things, like, so and Michael's like stir the melting pot. Bam! <laughs>
1: Another great line.
0: <laughs> Shout out to Emerald. And so,
1: <laughs> and so she's like so uncomfortable. She's like, "Well, um, this is not something I believe, and it's totally wrong. But it's a prejudice held by people who are shallow or whatever." And mm-hmm. she's like, "Some people may believe that you are a bad driver. You may
0: be a bad driver." She's is like very hesitant. <laughs> and Dwight is like. Oh, I'm a woman! <laughs> <laughs> and I read somewhere that he ad-libbed that. Oh, really? Yes, that was, uh, they were just kind of riffing about how to do that. Like, oh, man, am I a woman?
1: <laughs> that is so great. And so you have this <laughs> this scene, but it's so, it should be allowed to be on TV. Yes. Everybody in their own homes says or thinks things about, has preconceived notions or dumb stereotypes of other people that are wrong and right, whatever, but It's now taboo in a million years. Like, you couldn't have, you know, gay, straight, whatever else. It's impossible to do that on on network TV today. But this was a scene where it was perfect because they were mocking the people who had these stereotypes. They were mocking this idiotic exercise by a dumb guy who's shallow and Michael for putting it together in the first place. And so it's just done great. And my favorite part of that scene is when. Kevin's Italian. <laughs> and at the, the end of the episode, Michael's like, We should get some food or something. And <laughs> Kevin's like, How about some meatballs? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Maybe some spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, the um the part I think that like definitely would get backlash if this was on TV today when he's talking to Kelly. Very oh so God. so he sees everybody in this as like Oscar Kelly. And Stanley, because when Kelly has to go to her uh, customer meeting, he said, "Oh well, if you leave, we'll only have two left." <laughs> showing that this this is not working for him. Like right. he he has not been you know trained. He got no, nothing of out not. of this. Um. So then he's like, yelling at her, not yelling, but like talking to her very loudly, stereotypically. I never noticed this until I watched it the other day. Dwight in the background is staring at him, like, shocked. Like, just alarmed that this is happening. Like, what, what is going on? What
1: is, what is Michael doing? Yes.
0: The whole thing is just chaos. She slaps him. That whole, So they are. it shows that Michael's an idiot. Right. So he is just a moron. And then that kind of makes it more... Like, that's why, if it was on TV today, it would be... They would get backlash, but you're making fun of somebody who has these... Well, is not as, a, as tolerant. But you're making
1: fun of a bigot you know and exactly. it's like you're you're mocking him for having these views and you have th- this is also the first where you see Michael Vane he's like who is the one person that's untouchable that i could put on my forehead and it's martin luther king yeah, jr. a hero this, of mine a hero of mine and you have stanley <laughs> is given black which is just he, he doesn't know what it is and he's he takes like, we it didn't off.
0: plan that
1: <laughs> totally random <laughs>
0: This is completely, yeah. So it it just it, it shows it's like everything you want in an episode of a TV show. It's it makes you cringe. It's just very it's edgy to a point, but you're still like you're making fun of Michael. Right. So it's it's OK. And
1: the other side of this episode, which was great, which I didn't really p- focus on when I watched it the first couple of times in the past week when I went back to it was the Jim Dwight Pam non-diversity day part of this episode so in the open of the epi- open of the office you see dwight with the shredder and so i always like seeing where that specifically came from and sort of going back to it so the episode begins with dwight calling his biggest client i mean sorry with jim, jim. calling his biggest client and dwight interrupting it with his shredder and he can't hear mr deckard or eckert whatever the guy's name mr is. yeah mr decker i think yeah and so <laughs> he says to um uh he says to him so he says to the Mister Decker, he's like, you know, I, I'm, you know, looking forward to doing more business with you. And he can't hear him. He turns Dwight's shredder off, and then he hears him. Great, and then Dwight fights back and hangs up the phone. Which is interesting because the first two episodes that uh, air for The Office in America, Dwight is almost equal in terms of the aggression with Jim, right? And it's very much about the domains that they have their desk. The first episode, you have uh, Jim and the pilot putting the pencils in. Dwight getting mad about the papers being in half centimeter onto his side of the desk. And then in this episode, you have Dwight doing his shredding at his desk and Jim trying to make a sale. And Dwight really sort of being an equal and fighting back and you know turning off his phone tit for tit. Right, <laughs> tit for
0: tit. That's not the expression.
1: <laughs> but this all happens. These crazy meetings, one with the guy from corporate and one with Michael, are going on. And Jim is unable to close the deal. Right. And Dwight swoops in. I believe it was Dwight, Yes, and makes the sale, which is his biggest client.
0: Because mm-hmm. then he gives Dwight the champagne, this little champagne bottle right. he buys, which is crazy to me that Dwight would mess. This is how far they will go to prank each other or mess with each other, is Dwight is messing with his business. Right. And Dwight is all about business and selling paper, which, I mean, I guess that makes sense because he took Jim's client. But this is Jim's biggest client and right. his biggest sale. And he hang when he hangs up the phone, that's more extreme than unplugging A shredder.
1: Oh, of course. So this is Dwight really early on. It's like, wow, these guys are rivals like, you know, Red Sox, Yankees, not like, you know, B.C. Clemson. Like this Mm -hmm. is a real matchup that looks to be something that's going to be pretty balanced. Obviously, we find out that it's not as one side. It's very one sided. Mm -hmm. But you have um, a real other side of Jim that you see where my Dwight views this job as his life. He wants to be the best salesman he can possibly be. His goal is to be Michael Scott. This is a field that he's. Very passionate in. Whereas Jim loses his biggest sale, has a whole day dealing with Michael's stupidity. Not only does Jim lose his biggest sale, he loses it to this guy he hates at the Cube next door. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the episode, Pam rests her head on his shoulder. And at the end of the episode, Jim says, it was a great day. Right. So you know that for Jim, all that really matters to him is finding someone he loves there. Whereas the sale is if, it, if he if he could pick one, pick, getting a sale from his biggest client or having that moment with Pam, he would pick Pam every day.
0: Exactly. And and also it's one moment, like one very small moment in the whole day. And that changes everything for him.
1: His entire mood.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: And it's also you see in that regard, you see how Jim is very unselfish, right? He mm-hmm. only wants he wants to be with her. He wants her to be happy. And at the other thing I noticed in this episode about Pam and Jim is that um, Ryan is at uh, Pam's desk.
0: Yes. Yes. So he's watching Chappelle's show, right. which is interesting because Chappelle had skits that were maybe as uh, like edgy oh, as Chris Rock. Yes. I mean, so that's him watching that in the office. But he knows not to actually reenact. Oh, my God. I'm not everything over. Um, reenact what Chappelle is doing because he knows that's not socially acceptable in an office setting. But Michael will watch this and run out and say, Hey guys, here's Chris rock.
1: I got to share this with everybody. Right. Right. And so in that, in that scene, he goes, they, they, they start talking and she, uh, Ryan says to Jim, she's pretty cute. Isn't she? And he's like, yeah, she's engaged. And Ryan goes, no, the girl in the sketch. And he's like, Oh yeah, whatever. Yeah. She's hot. And (laughs) so that was, Very early on, we obviously see that he's flirting with her and whatever else, but that was another very early sign from Jim, how much Pam meant to him. Beginning of the episode, obviously, he's attracted to her. At the end of the episode, she has this moment, fleeting moment with him, and it makes up for the worst day you could have had professionally.
0: Exactly. And how come Ryan didn't stop and be like, wait? You think Pam is cute, like? But I mean, he was watching Chappelle's Show. But well, also, still- it
1: could it could tell you that everybody in the office already knew.
0: Oh, true. Yeah, they already because he's always up at her desk, right? So they kind of already have this, like, oh yeah, of course, he thinks that she's cute, right? Kind of thing. So,
1: so it, yeah, yeah, I, I think that that was definitely. Um, I think that was well known at that point. But the just the the abject disdain that everybody on the show has for Michael is so clear in this episode of just how far he'll take things how little regard he has for corporate or any sort of reprimand that he may be rightfully getting. It's just all about his show, his control, and to hell with PC and whatever else. And that's a character today that would help so many sitcoms be far more successful. If you had that sort of foil... Put into any of these Goldbergs or whatever shows that are on. I even watch any TV. This is us. This is us. Needs a foil. Oh my God! If this is us, had Michael Scott, I would literally just die. It would be amazing. He just shows up.
0: It's like when Toby walks in and he says, "This is an environment of welcoming, and you should just get the hell out." Toby is corporate to him. Toby is the devil. Toby wants to ruin everything that Michael wants to do, and he says, "This is an environment of welcoming, and you should just get the hell out." Because it's Toby.
1: Because he hates Toby, and he's an extension of the bosses. But I just, I don't know. I found that to be, watching back on it, the facial expressions of everybody around the conference room when Michael takes over, and they're doing these awkward conversations. And Angela, you know.
0: Jamaican. Jamaican. like Kevin's like, do you want to get high? She's just like, no. I think you do. (laughs) I think you do, Mon.
1: (laughs) But yeah, it was a... a 10 out of 10 episode. Oh, it's fantastic.
0: Now. Who do you think complained about the Chris Rock uh, bit that Michael did? Ooh. Did everybody? Did Toby? Did one person?
1: Hmm. They
0: never really talk about that, how corporate found out about it.
1: If I had to guess, I would probably say Kelly.
0: Oh, that's a good point. And when? When did he do this? When, pe- when a lot of people were around? Because Kelly's in the, the back. So did somebody hear it and tell Toby? And then to- Toby tells corporate. Maybe what happened?
1: Yeah, or or maybe when Jan was there, somebody you know what I'm oh, saying?
0: Oh, that could have happened too, because we never see it.
1: We never see it. But I feel like it was definitely. I, I could. I mean, I. I would definitely. Obviously, I mean, you could cross off Dwight, Jim, Pam. I can't see them complaining. Yeah, but Kelly's I, I, a good one. I think Kelly maybe or Angela. Kobe. Angela, oh, good one. Could but, have, but Dwight. Well, I guess they weren't really a thing yet. Yeah.
0: So. Dwight, maybe I don't know. Who would be most offended by it? Probably Angela.
1: Angela or Kelly or Kelly, yeah. Stanley would be just doesn't even think about it. He's doing care. his crossword. He right. doesn't he know does, what is no happening. Desire. Yeah, but yeah, that's a good. So yeah, I, w- I would guess Kelly, but who knows? You know, but it was definitely probably Toby who mm-hmm. had to take the complaint to corporate. Right. So that's why he was pissed most at Toby because he didn't know, maybe he didn't know who complained, but he knew that Toby was the one who exercised the complaint.
0: That too. I, yeah, I wonder if he even knows how this got to corporate. But I wonder also if he would have even done it if the cameras weren't there. Because there must have been cameras on him, and then they decided not to show it because it was this Chris Rock bit. Right. Something like that.
1: That would make so sense. So maybe
0: because the, the documentarians thought we can't air this, so why even like put the footage on the show, I guess, maybe.
1: That's a good point. But think about all you have from two episodes of this. You have Jim and Pam. What's going on? You already have the awkward tension with Roy and Jim. You have people around the office now knowing or seeing how Jim is really into this girl. You have the brief second from Pam putting her head on her on his shoulder, mm-hmm. and then outside of all of that, you have the dysfunction with Jim, with Michael in corporate, where his boss hates him. This person who was brought in just to do some boilerplate diversity day training it was scammed, doesn't even get For the thing Diversity signed. today. Diversity today. What did
0: Michael say? Like, he came in... And uh, he, what did he say? Something and abandoned us. Oh yeah, he, just, he, yelled, at he yelled at us and abandoned us.
1: us <laughs> and abandoned us.
0: And he's like, "We're gonna do this right." And then, yeah, he does it. He sits. He sits on the chair. Like, I'm really gonna get on your level and talk to you. Right. And then he he said, "Like, I'm I'm like a um, United Nations. I'm part Scottish, Scottish and English, and he said part Native American." And Oscars says, "What part?" And two yeah, whatever. And Oscars says, "That fraction doesn't make any sense." And Michael says, it, I, "It's hard for us to talk about. They're suffering."
1: See, there's a. Liz Warren bit exactly
0: exactly Michael Scott is Liz Warren
1: it is so good and think about what you could do with that today
0: oh yeah I'll be fantastic if you did that today on a show it would make it would be topical right but that would be something that's a little taboo maybe for no reason but people would complain right there would be backlash
1: and I feel like that that's the reason now there's no line for how small a complaint can be and have it sort of have lasting impact because on social media you can just tweet at a client if it's somebody's show and then boom, mm-hmm. you're heard and it's taken down and sanitized. Like that show would have been a great sort of teaching tool to mock those that hold these beliefs, but Definitely. it will never happen because. Whoever says anything is going to be shut down. And Michael, in a way, is sort of representing that guy that's no longer existing on TV.
0: Right. And it holds up today. The episode is—I mean, every episode holds up. But, like, this one really does. Right. And And define the show.
1: Right. And it's like Michael is—there are still Michaels out there. Yeah. Just because you don't see them on TV doesn't mean they've stopped existing. Some people think that they're more in existence now. So, like, the fact that we're just going to remove them from TV and those people are just going to go away is so stupid. It's absurd.
0: Right. And then Michael changes as we—I mean, he gets less and less like that. But this is a very stripped-down Michael that oh we God. see here. That is that is Michael at his core
1: doing this. The Michael—so um, we'll get to it in our next one. But the Michael that, you know, you see early on is as cutthroat, as bananas, as fucked up as can be. I mean— He has no regard for anybody but the eyes on him and the attention that he seeks. Everything else is just sort of collateral damage. Right.
0: Possibly because this whole like filming his whole life or his whole life at work is new to him. It's exciting that this camera is in front of him and it's still like, oh, what what do I do next to get their attention to be exciting? Um, And then this is, I guess, the Chris Rock thing. He was probably... Like, hey, like, come in here. I'll do this Chris Rock bit, and then it spirals into a whole sensitivity trading day. Right, and that's one thing too is they wanted to film it all in one day, so they didn't show the Chris Rock bit because it takes time to, like, you know, huh. to complain and then de- so, um, yeah, they wanted to show a whole day, like, just contain it. So they just did the the training. So maybe that too is why they didn't show the Chris Rock.
1: Well, that makes sense. Bit.
0: But from the standpoint of the people filming it. I guess it was maybe like, oh, we don't want to show the Chris Rock bit in our documentary. I don't <laughs> know. Could
1: you imagine walking into a conference room at work? You don't know what's on your forehead. The cards you, on there. You see a card in front of you that says Jamaican. <laughs> and you have to talk to them so they know what they are and using the terms that are used to disparage them. Like, oh, my yeah, God. When, you,
0: when you're watching this, you're like, oh, it's funny. But you look at it at the bigger picture. This is just ridiculous. <laughs> it's absurd. just hysterical. And they're all
1: like, they're not having any productivity whatsoever right. for the entire day. Because right. the morning is with the expert, the afternoon is with the moron. Both have, both require their attention for very different reasons. And they you know, Jim loses a sale, Dwight swoops in, and you have And Ryan's like, watching Chappelle show. Ryan's watching some <laughs> Chappelle show. And you have I don't know. I, I, I love this was I think the first real speaking role for Kevin.
0: Yes, yeah. We doing, haven't really Yeah, it was Chris Rock. It was was the doing the Chris a Chris Rock, Rock team. bit and nobody really even complained it. like they they just put the cards on their head nobody said this is stupid i'm right. not going to do they're just like oh it's michael again
1: right. just just grin and bear it Right, get through the day.
0: Right. And the way they all interacted with each other as actors was fantastic.
1: Oh, it was so good. It just the the, <laughs> the looks of pain on their face <laughs> when they're trying to come up with the words to use that are like offensive enough to get Michael to be happy right. but not something that you can't take back. I
0: like your food. <laughs> I, like your food. <laughs> I really admire your culture's uh, contributions to America. And <laughs> Pam's like, thank you. Uh, I don't know what to say. What do you say? <laughs> That's right. Oh, Can
1: my... I get a bank loan?
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shalom. I'd like to apply for a loan, <laughs> and she's like, "That's nice, Dwight." <laughs> and then at the end, Michael looks at his watch. And He's like, "Well, it's past five o'clock. That was an entire day
1: of just nothing. the
0: whole day, and they just leave.
1: Right? They don't even say anything to him. Right? And, and Jim's just sitting there with Pam on his arm. Right? And then they get up and exactly. Leave.
0: And he's sold at the end of the day a minus amount of paper because he probably didn't make any sales he at didn't all. Make any and sales. Lost at one lost sale, his biggest sale of the year. Exactly.
1: And he's just sitting there. Hand between his legs, nothing to do.
0: Right. And so you see that the office, this office, maybe is more than selling paper. Right. It's a family.
1: It is. And it's the most dysfunctional family with the weirdest head of it that yes. you could possibly pick. Who's The only thing that's really unifying that you've seen through two episodes is that Dwight's sort of an offshoot of Michael for everybody in the office. He's just sort of a weird duck. And that Michael is um, disliked. by The unifying factor for everybody is that they dislike Michael, that they don't respect him. Mm-hmm. And so you sort of have that as a jumping off point. And you have this sort of bond. But you don't really know about Pam's feelings towards Jim.
0: Exactly. You don't know if if, they're, if she's thinking, oh, he's a friend that I have at work and it's nice, but right. I'm engaged to Roy. Right. Or if she, deep down, is thinking, well, maybe I could be with Jim and I want to get closer to Jim or something. Because we find out later, later on, that um, she has talked to J- about Jim to like, her mom and to right. other people. But we find out that... Um, later on the
1: only other interaction with jim and pam was a solitaire bit where yes yes jim goes up to the desk and she's playing solitaire and he's like "Why or free cell?" i don't remember yeah right, he's like why didn't you put this one here she's like i like it when they do that whatever yes and, which also
0: shows how boring her office her right. job is like how m- monotone the office is right and how like that's something that's a very real thing i think in offices so that just shows oh this is a documentary literally just about An office and how it works
1: and their faces and their interactions with each other are so relatable for people who have those nine to five jobs who have a boss they don't like or respect. And you can just tell by their interactions with each other, even when they're nonverbal and Michael's talking, you can connect pretty early on and see that these people, they're none of them are stars. They're not like people that you wouldn't run into at your office yourself. Right. and you can sort of connect on that level and be like wow what the hell would i do if i had to put jewish on my forehead right. and talk to someone about being an asian
0: right and- would i do that or would i no one else further complained about michael to corporate right. and no one said oh well he like took over diversity day and this is what he did because somebody would definitely do that in an office today
1: oh absolutely so then
0: there would be another like another training and another it would just be endless right. so i don't know but we see more dysfunction in the healthcare episode oh, which my is God. episode 3
1: my Netflix may have rolled into that a couple yeah, times. Mine did too. And I was watching it. Oh, my God. What an episode. <laughs> yes. What a tease
0: for uh, our next episode, which will be about the uh, health care episode, episode three. So we will see you next time.